Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we got a Q&A. Got some very solid questions today. Um, oh, also, I, I think uh, this serves as a good announcement. Um, it's mainly for the people who are working with us, but it's going to be available to anybody. Um, like clients? Clients, yeah. Oh. We're doing it because of clients, but we're not going to limit it to just clients because we've had other people ask us too. Um, but uh, me and Emily have been working on getting the apparel uh, for a tailored coaching method available to everybody. So right. I think... Uh, I think partially me posting a little bit about like what me and Andres are doing with tailored life apparel has gotten people excited as well. And so they're like, well, can we just buy more tailored coaching method gear? You know, cause all of our clients get a shirt. Yeah. But that's it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I was like, well, we can try to figure out a way to make like a storefront. The problem is, is like the, the companies that offer drop shipping, which is basically like you order a shirt from us and this company immediately sends it right to you. Yeah. Fulfills it. They suck, <laughs> for lack of better terms. So the companies we like that are local that are actually really great customer service. They're local, so I can go there. They have good. They actually print good material and everything. They don't offer drop shipping, so that's where we've been kind of like hung up on. Um, so, aka, I'm probably just gonna have to bite the bullet and buy a bunch of shit, and then we'll just ship it out ourselves, which is fine. Gotta do what you gotta do. Mm. Um, but it sent me down a tailspin of like, well, I don't want to just have a t-shirt. Like we should have a like a, some kind of like cool crop top because that's been something that the girls have wanted. Um, and we should have more than just the basic tee. I, I want to put together some cool logos. Like we gotta have some kind of hoodie. You know, people want tank tops to train in. I'm trying to make some mesh shorts. Mm. So I was like, all right, we're just gonna put together like a whole package of shit that we can do. Um, not 100% sure if we're going to have like a storefront on the website or if we're just going to have a one-off page that we uh, do through ClickFunnels or something and connects yep. Shopify to or something. But um, nonetheless, we are going to have that available soon. So for everybody who's asked about just getting like gym gear that is has the tailored logo on it, it will be coming soon. That's sick. We're just basically finalizing. Um, I think I'm going to drive out there soon. Uh, mainly just the the all the shirts, the tanks, the, everything is chosen out. It's just the shorts I'm iffy about. The shorts, are, you got to be very specific, I feel like, with shorts. And I don't want to order a bunch of shorts that just turn out to be, like, youth basketball shorts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, they got to yeah. be specific. Um, so I'm going to go check those out <coughs> soon. But, Excuse me. Um, yeah. And we got a couple new Tailored Coaching Method logos that are pretty sick. Damn. Yeah. So I think people are going to like it. Um, like, have you ever seen the, uh, you know you know what Supreme is? Clothing yeah. brand Supreme. Tailored, but Supreme. Put that one together obviously super easy to generate, but it just looks fucking cool with the big red bar and the tailored in there. Mm. Um, took a couple like really famous, popular dope brands that people love and just swapped out shit for tailored. Dope. Which looks really dope. Mm. Um, the only one I wasn't able to do because of copyright issues was Metallica. Yeah. Can't do Metallica, but it doesn't surprise me because they were like the only band in history that basically like sued Napster, wouldn't allow uh, Spotify to get them on. Actually, Jay Z didn't let Spotify have them for a while. Yep, but I think he had a deal with Apple or something. He um, had a deal with himself. Yeah, title. Well, yeah, but he he didn't have a platform. He was on Apple Music. He was. Yeah, he just wasn't on uh, Spotify. I'm assuming Apple Music probably paid him to only be on. Apple. Gotcha. And then once that was up, kind of like how Seinfeld was only on Hulu. Yeah. And then it finally got released. Now it's on Netflix. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because Metallica, they went on this big freaking 
thing where they were like suing people left and right and they were so pissed because people were getting their music for free yeah when like people stopped buying cds you know um funny but but also don't go down that route yeah i totally respect it too like i mean especially in that time when like people started downloading shit for free yep can't imagine that they lost a lot of money yeah i even i thought about this this morning because i bought a book and i was kind of like i wonder why they didn't do an ebook and i thought about it and i was like you know what? If I was working with publishers to create like a really good book, I wouldn't do a fucking ebook either. Yeah. Because people would just send it to each other. Mm. And then one person pays for 10 people to have it. Yeah. Fuck that. Like your hard work, like paperback. Totally. And that's actually why anytime a paperback comes out, I'm going to continue to buy it just to support the author. Like totally. if I actually like the author. I like holding a book in my hand yeah. mainly, but now I'm like, you know what? That's actually a good, because it, it was, I don't think it's available ebook unless I just didn't see the link, but uh, Alan Aragon, who we had the podcast not too long ago, just released his book, um, uh, all about flexible dieting, which is really cool. He talked a little bit about it on the podcast. Yep. Um, I'm excited to dive into that because he's one of the originators of flexible dieting. And it's like, dude, it's like textbook thick. Yeah. So it's going to really dive into it. a hell of an ebook. I know. <laughs> but cool. So. Let's right. get it. Yeah, let's get into it. We got a lot of good questions today. I'm trying to get this up and going, but it's not working. All right, so the first question is coming from Carrie Lynn. It says, how long does it take for your metabolism to recover following a three-month endurance training block? About to come out of, of half marathon tra- training and will be focusing on strength training. I, I've been maintaining my weight about 100 or at about seventeen to eighteen hundred calories, probably eighty uh, percent consistency with this. But seventeen hundred was pr- my prior calorie intake for my previous fat loss phase last year. I'm looking to focus on strength and weight maintenance for a while, but would like my maintenance calories to be higher. So when I'm ready to cut, it is at a more doable intake. So there's a few things to unpack here. Number one, I think you're asking the wrong question because your metabolism doesn't need to recover from an endurance phase. Endurance is training, and I assume you weren't in a deficit while doing that. Um, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to run a marathon. So I don't think metabolism is a – like healing your metabolism isn't the right word, essentially. And the the fact is is that as you switch from more of a aerobic endurance-based training modality to a anaerobic strength-based resistance training – training modality and goal and focus, you're simply going to be shifting energy systems. You will be, your metabolism will be affected by that. There's not really a repair that needs to happen. I think it's more of like a shift or a transition and the shift or transition is really just a matter of your metabolism getting used to the new, not even your metabolism, your energy systems changing, um, which means that your substrate utilization, which is essentially how your body is utilizing fat and carbs and things like that is just going to change a little bit. But it's not like this crazy rocket science thing. It's just that you're using your muscles in a different way. Therefore, they're going to utilize different fuel substrates in a different way. And not even to that much of an extent because although aerobic training or endurance can like use more fat for fuel, if you're actually doing long distance endurance, which you are if you're doing half or full marathons, you're still using carbohydrates. So if we look at anaerobic training, you're using carbohydrates. Even if it's you know, explosive short bursts of activity, which doesn't burn a ton of glycogen. And that's what people often talk about is you're not depleting yourself from glycogen doing a three max squat. But in order to generate enough ATP and allow creatine to work in your body 
actively to support anaerobic energy systems in performance, you need carbohydrates. Carbohydrates help fuel ATP in the system. So um, again, I don't think really anything different, to be honest with you. I think that you're going to have to wait and see because there's some, there would be some reasons to believe that you wouldn't need as many calories anymore because doing endurance-based training, you're running for so long that you need a lot of carbs and calories and fuel to to finish the race you're doing. Uh, But in the same regard, you might experience uh, an extremely, uh, an extreme increase of muscle damage and therefore muscle repair from a tissue level because you're going from doing this running to strength training. And as we know, like you're going to, like, dude, I took literally just a week off of training legs. My legs are still fucking sore from Monday and it is Wednesday as recording this. That has not happened to me in so long. And I'm literally like, fuck, am I going to be able to trade links tomorrow? Because my legs are still killing me. I might not be able to, which is wild. I did. I definitely changed some things up for this new program I'm testing. I don't regret it because it, it was really fun. And I think it's going to work. But point being is that novelty stimulus yeah. from taking a week off and changing things up crushed my body. So during that session, did I burn as much glycogen or fuel as somebody who's running a half marathon? Fuck no. But I'm still repairing from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm still utilizing glycogen and protein in order to repair what I did on Monday versus somebody who runs all the time. They're not going to be just like usually I do this all the time. I don't get sore. But um, the reason I use that as an example is because I changed a few things. I added two sets of volume on my quads and I changed the way I structured the exercise sequencing and it crushed me. But I still just trained legs twice a week like normal. If you're running, you're not really changing anything. You just got to keep running every week until you can withstand more running. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're not going to see that muscle damage like you would in strength training. So point being is, is you might see an upkick in energy demands just from a standpoint of uh, muscle repair after the fact. Um, you know, there's the hormone hypothesis as far as like how influential hormones are with muscle growth, but it's reaching. They're just not, there's a cascade of events that happen with your hormones. So it definitely happens, but they're not the reason your muscles grow really. Some of them indirectly like testosterone obviously is going to increase muscle protein synthesis, but, um, most hormones in physiological ranges don't really do anything to add muscle. You have to take them up and beyond. That's just why people take steroids and they go from like the higher end of the reference range to double what the reference range is. And now all of a sudden you see these crazy results, but, um, I don't, I don't see any reason why there would be a repair phase for your metabolism. I don't, I can't say for sure that your maintenance calorie intake would go up when you start strength training. Um, but I also can't say that it would go down. I mean, there's an argument for either. It kind of depends on how you're training once you get into it. Um, so I can't answer that question because I don't think it's, uh, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. Um, now the other side of it, I just want to mention is you said that you, your goal is to get your maintenance calories up so that when you diet next time you can diet on more calories. This was the whole purpose of creating, not the whole purpose. This was half of the purpose of creating reverse dieting. Half the purpose was to get out of the diet and repair biofeedback, obviously. The other half, because it was created as a way to help with physique competitors, and we talked a little bit about this in the podcast with Lane, so um, it would have been just last week that aired, so make sure you guys check out that episode. But as he was mentioning, you know, when it first came about, a lot of people were doing it in the physique bodybuilding competing world and it was a way of thinking that we would go okay we're going to repair them for show but now we're going to slowly you know increase their calories so slow that we can build their maintenance intake so that next season when we diet down they'll be able to die down on more calories Mm. theoretically it makes sense yeah you increase your calories therefore your maintenance caloric intake increases therefore when you diet down you don't have to go as low as you did this time 
However, what they found is they still had to go as low. So like, let's say you dieted down this time and you had to pull 400 calories to get there, but you built your maintenance an extra 400 calories. Next time you're going to have to pull 800 calories. There's still, there's this threshold that people have, and it is extremely hard to be able to reverse diet or bring your maintenance calories up enough to be able to diet down on higher intake levels. And I think the only way, and this is hypothetical is my theory. Yep. The only way to be able to do that is to take a significant amount of time away from dieting. Um, and partly I think that because that's what I did and I did diet down on a little bit more calories than I did last time. Um, and I think it's partially because I spent so much time away from a big deficit because it's been since 2019. Like I dabbled with a deficit, but I pulled out because I had life stuff going on. So I didn't seriously diet for two and a half, three years. I think that's enough time to actually increase your maintenance intake set point enough to be able to successfully diet on more calories. But then you also have to factor in, it's like, well, you, you, you're 10 pounds heavier. So if I gain 10 pounds of muscle, is it actually my maintenance caloric intake increasing because of some metabolic magic? Or is it just because my maintenance is higher because I'm 10 pounds heavier? Yeah. Most likely because I'm 10 pounds heavier. Because if you have more mass, yep. you need more calories to survive. But that still doesn't take away... Like, okay, if you have to put on five pounds of muscle as a female, you're still going to have to take a lot of time away from the diet. So I think for you, like the goal, if, if that's really what you're after, you would have to, you know, shift to strength training, try to bring up your calories slowly and build muscle for an extended period of time and spend time up there, sitting up there, getting comfortable up there, kind of resetting your total daily energy expenditure based on activity level and muscle mass. And then when you diet again, you'll be able to do so because you'll be dieting from a place where you're not only your calories are higher, but you're, you have more muscle tissue. And I would say you move more. And that's like the big thing is when I went into this one, I was way more um, methodical about my knee. Like I was very, very on point of tracking how many steps I was taking and everything. And I think that, you know, three years ago, it, it was something we thought about, but it just wasn't nearly as important. There wasn't as much research on it. So I just didn't put as much thought into that. So if you do those three things, spend time away, build muscle and really be, methodical with your knee, I think you could get away with it. Totally. But, but all those things, they're really not me saying that you can build up your maintenance intake through reverse dieting so that you can lose fat later on on more calories. They're really me saying use these strategies as a way to burn more calories every day so that you can diet on more calories. Because really that's what it is, right? You take longer to recover so that you can build more muscle and you take more steps, both of which are going to lead to more calories expended every day, which means you're not necessarily creating a smaller deficit. You're just burning more calories every day so you can eat more food. So that's kind of the deal. That's interesting. You go either way. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, there's so many, I had a really good conversation with our intern this morning on the phone about this kind of stuff where it was like, she, she found a, uh, a, a seminar that I did. She watched and we don't put it in the intern portal for a reason because it's old and uh, where'd she find it? Uh, so I, I I sent her the initial email for the internship, and I just copy and paste it because I have it saved. And one of the links still referred back to the old seminar, but in the portal, it's the newer seminar. And so she watched both. And so she was like, you know, one of the things you talked about with diet breaks was physiological changes. Like, how do you do? You still feel like that? And I was like, well, things have changed now so much since then. That was four years ago. So it's like there's been more research. But everything has these like weird correlations because it's like, well, research shows it's just sociological and psychological. So your environment, social aspects, your mindset, essentially adherence components, maybe muscle tissue. If you, they don't have enough research to show this, but they also don't do studies long enough. If you did diet breaks 
every couple of weeks for a full year, I guarantee you would preserve more muscle or build more muscle because it's more time out of the deficit to build muscle. But there's no studies showing the type of people that we work with, you know, like not all the people are like this, but there's a lot of people that we work with that are parents that work, that are high stress, that have dieted a bunch of times. Like I know that there's physiological and hormonal changes happening with them when we take more diet breaks totally. because I see it work, but we're never going to have a study like that. So it's always like, well, there's like kind of these caveats, but even then, is it actually a hormonal thing or is it literally just based on, well, you did this with your calories and because you had more calories, it just led to this or you mm. moved more. So it led to this. Like there's always, like it always boils back to energy balance basically, which is kind of annoying and frustrating because it's just not that exciting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's always this path right back. So did, have I mean, obviously you, you did the presentations, but do you explain why you think differently in the newer one? Um, yeah, not really only because it's just two completely different seminars. seminars like they're, yeah. they're both nutrition seminars. Okay, okay. Um, one's just older, Yeah, but it's just mm-hmm. funny. Cause like, it's like, damn, like just three, four years ago. Yeah. And she had like four, three or four questions of like, you still think this or like, what do you think about this now? And I'm like, no, but here's this, 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 totally. you know, like here's where it could be true, but research shows this. Like, well, it's good that she got that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I might even want to catch the link too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to delete that. <laughs> That's good. All right, cool. Let's move on to the second question. Uh, we got one coming from the one and the only Taylor Coaching Method coach, Nick Love. Where Nick Love on 89.5 radio. <laughs> totally. <laughs> what did you learn from this cut, and has your approach changed going forward? Um, okay, we'll start with what I learned. Um, Can't go in order? Didn't he start with what I learned? Yeah. Um, what I learned from it is, uh, I mean, one big thing I would say is is the timing of your diet has to be right. Like I, I I learned that just as much from this cut being the right time as I did from the last two attempts being the wrong time. Uh Cause I started a cut and then stopped because I had to admit that it just wasn't the right time in my life to do it, um, with personal and business stuff that were going on. But coming into this one was really just, I mean, it, the stars aligned, so to speak. It was just kind of like, if you put your, if, if you really think about all the things going on in your life and you find that you are in the perfect place to actually go into a diet and, and create a deficit, meaning that your schedule, your responsibilities, your work, your family support, holidays, everything that you can think of that would get in the way, if everything is as good as it's going to get and it is the right time, it is so much easier to not only get through the diet, but to not make excuses mm-hmm. because you don't have any. Like you literally have no excuses. So that was a big thing because the cut just went so easy for me. Um, and I think a big part of that for people listening too, and I, I think I, I think this will relate to one of the questions that I have that we have in here about somebody's spouse. So we'll, we'll dive into it more with then. But being very like forward and upfront with Shannon of like, I am doing this right now. This is why I'm doing it. This is why it's important to me. And this is what it's going to look like. So just be ready. <laughs> Honestly. Absolutely. You know, because like, I remember the last time, so be ready. in my mind, I'm just like, well, I do flexible dieting. I don't even, I don't have to tell her that I'm going to cut. I'm just going to fucking start cutting. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's my diet. Yep. And then like when something comes up and I'm like, oh, I don't want, then she's kind of like, why? Like, why do you care? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm dieting. She's like, you're dieting? And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to cut, you know? And it's like, oh, I probably should have told you, like I started a diet a couple of weeks ago. I'm just trying to do this, this, this. And it just, it adds a layer of 
difficulty yeah. at home. You know what I mean? Especially if it's a period of time. Like last time it actually was the holidays. So it was like worse timing. But um, like I think that, and that's not true. It's not the worst timing. I think it, it depends on your situation. It was the worst time for me because it was the first year Blakely could actually like, I want to make cookies. I want to do this. Like she could talk to us and, you know, think about and get excited about Christmas. Like being one and two, she didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. Being three, it was like, oh shit, it's going down, you know? Yeah. But this time it was like, all right, you know, this is the deal. This is why I want to do it. And a big part of it was like, I want to do this so that I could show up for my clients, for my team, for the members, the people that follow me. Like there's a lot of people in the industry who you don't really see go through it and document the process. And I want to make sure that I remind people that I live this shit and I show them I do it too. I'm in the trenches. And so her understanding my why, because in her mind, she's like, you're lean enough. Like, why do you want to do this? Like, I prefer you not shredded. So why? Like, what's the point? Um, There's really not anybody I want to look good for except her, realistically. But like, explain the why and all that. Then you have this acceptance at home, social support at home. It makes a lot more sense. Makes it a lot easier. Even with the reverse diet. She's like, okay, the diet's done now. I'm like, okay, but this is the next step, you know? I have more calories to play with. I'm going to have more flexibility on the weekends, but this is, you know, my routine still my routine and this and that. Um, so that, that was a huge thing for sure. Um, I think the discipline component is really big, like something I knew, but I don't think I've had to express or experience to a great degree in a long time was the amount of satisfaction and fulfillment that comes from being disciplined Mm. because my routines have been set, you know, like I don't get this huge satisfaction or reward from checking off my routine boxes or reading a book or meditating because it's like I've done it so many times. So it's like it's just another thing. It's normal. That's what you do. Yeah, it's normalized, right? So saying no to certain things and sticking to it and likely going down at 8.30 p.m. and it's raining outside, but I know I got to grab my umbrella and go on a walk to my steps and doing it anyway and then coming home and being like, fuck yeah, now I'm going to drink a diet root beer <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate. Like things like that actually – felt really fucking good because I did it, you know, and then checking off that box at the end of like, I accomplished it. Like I finished the goal I had set in mind and I got the exact result I wanted to get. Like I actually, it, it, and I've done this in the past too, where like you try to get there and you're doing a photo shoot. So it's not like you're getting on stage or anything. So you kind of fuck up a few times and you do the photo shoot and you're like, it was dope. Like I look good, but I didn't exceed my expectations. Like I really felt like I exceeded them this time. Mm. That, that satisfaction is greater than a lot of people realize. And I don't think I remembered how good it feels to just check on the box. After it's been so long. Exactly. harder to... Yeah. It's easier to forget. Yeah. And it also, honestly, dude, like a big piece of that too, like actually triggered my mind a little bit to have that feeling in other areas of my life now too. It's like, okay, well, I really, really thrived on that serious challenge. You can't challenge yourself that, to that extent in every area of your life. How can I challenge myself in these other areas? You know, and then going into whether it's business or my marriage or anything, going like, what is my, my challenge here? Um, so that was a big piece of it, um, from a learning perspective, anything I've changed, did you say what I'm going to change going forward? How has your approach changed going forward? Um, I, I think this solidified my thoughts on neat. I've had a lot of different thoughts on programming neat for clients over the last like year, but I haven't done a cut. So I haven't had to implement them. And this is the first time that I was like very methodical, um, and working with Jackson was nice because him and I, like being able to get on a call and actually share how I do things and then hearing that he does them exactly the same in many regards. He just typically works with physique athletes and we yep. work with a lot of gem pop. 
but it was cool because it's like, okay, cool. Now we can put some of my theories to the test on myself, you know? And so one of them is neat. And it's like, okay, if we add cardio, we're doing anything but walking and we're tracking steps through neat completely separately from the gym. And we're going to utilize both those as two individual components. Um, that helped tremendously. Uh, I will be, and what I mean by that is like, so basically if I was, if I'm at the gym training, I take my step counter off. If I'm on the bike doing my cardio, I take my step counter off. So it's 11 K steps was my step goal, but that was my steps daily, daily. Yep. And that's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. And it's really important for people to know that because if I was at 8,000 steps, I had to go on a walk which is intentional. So technically that's not neat, but that would still count towards my steps. However, getting on the bike or doing in the gym, that is very intentional exercise. That Excel- is accelerated intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> so in the gym, that is not yeah. non-exercise activity. Yep. So I, I, I separate those. Um, and the reason you do that is because if you don't, then your neat will drop. So like if I was to do cardio in the morning on the bike and I had my step counter on it counted towards it, my steps probably wouldn't have increased beyond 11K naturally because my body does compensate and will lower activity elsewhere. So it's important to separate them. Um, I will be more likely, I already have been more likely, to use cardio with clients. Um, I think I still try to avoid it as much as I can for like long-term stuff. But when we're periodizing an approach, and I know we're coming into the last, like let's say, four to eight weeks of somebody's diet, not that they're like just done and moving on, but like, we don't want to diet longer than this because diet fatigue will just be too great. And this is the timeline we set for the periodization plan. I'm not going to hesitate to put cardio in there because I think if you, what I learned with myself at least is when you don't use cardio, cardio works really well. So I've never been a big cardio person and we're reversing my cardio out right now because I want to be able to remove it so that I can use it again in the future. But when you don't use cardio, your body responds super well and super quick to it. As soon as we added a good amount of cardio in, like my body responded. Whereas somebody who always relies on cardio or is constantly doing cardio, their body's so adapted to it and they're so good at it, they're not going to see the result from it Correct. from a fat loss perspective. Um, so that was huge. Uh, that's really it, man. I mean, otherwise, it, I mean, like, it was a, a very unsexy, <laughs> unhardcore approach. Like, I mean, we created a calorie deficit. It was mainly high carb. Yeah. I started h- with higher fats than I normally do at maintenance, uh, more of like a balanced approach. Uh, but we ended up pulling fats and keeping fats at like the bare minimum while trying to maximize carbs during a calorie deficit, training like normal and just being consistent. Yep. I mean, there's nothing special, you know? So, yeah, yeah I think that it just like the, the biggest thing is the neat which I was already doing. It was just cool to experiment, uh, experiment on myself. And then the cardio was something I don't typically advocate too much. But if somebody, like I used it with a couple clients recently and it worked extremely well, but it was because they weren't doing any cardio at all and they haven't Prior. been doing cardio. Yeah. So when I threw it in, their body responded just like mine did. So other than that, um, oh, and then the meal plan. I think I would, I, I'm, I'm way more sold on a meal plan than I was before. Um, and I've, I've used it as a learning tool always like if somebody doesn't like if they can't hit their macros they don't know how to put meals together i will help create a meal plan so they can see like here's how you can hit your macros but i'm much more on board with having a set in stone meal plan that you just hit every single day and then you just have like a flexible one or two days a week um it's not restrictive and rigid if you understand flexible dieting because you know that you're choose if you choose to be on a meal plan it's your choice yep it's not a rule yep so if it's fucking Wednesday and I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. 
you know, but because I want to do it and I understand the value of it, making my stress lower and making things just easier. I always want to do it because it just makes life better and easier. And it's just like, I know my numbers are set. And I think a big piece that people have to think about too, is even if in theory, flexible dieting or fitting in things or doing whatever, no cardio, all these things will make it easier for the long run. And maybe they sound more appealing. If doing these things that are a little bit more difficult, maybe a little bit more strict, quote unquote, just dialed in, I would say, because they're really not strict, especially if you're choosing what the meal plan is, you're going to get the result faster because you're more consistent and accurate. If you get done with the result faster, you can get out of the diet quicker. So like, yeah, if we add in all these flexible tools that make things so much easier, that's great. But if it makes the diet way longer because things are way more inaccurate and inconsistent, you're just delaying how long it takes to get to maintenance, right? I would much rather be dialed in and focused and just shorten how long I got to be in a deficit and get the result and get out, you know? So, um, and I'm a good example. It was eight and a half weeks, nine weeks. Like that's not that long of a diet really to get really lean. But I followed the meal plan the entire fucking time outside of Saturday. And sometimes Sunday, but like Monday through Friday, no matter what, it was always the meal plan. Yep. So that worked really well. And I have some clients that are doing extremely well with it as long as I teach them the flexible process as well. And we've talked about that in content quite a bit. Yeah. So good. Yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next question. It comes from Ashley. It says, it's not that. Oh, here's the question you're talking about. It says, it's not that my partner is not supportive, quote unquote, per se, but he doesn't understand why I track macros or eat certain foods. He always says that I look fine the way I am and don't need to do this stuff. Anyways, how do you deal with lack of understanding from family or friends and not feeling, quote unquote, insecure or embarrassed to be doing what I actually want to do? So the first thing is not getting defensive or assuming he knows how you feel or what you want to do. Um, and I've had to learn this as well. I've said this to Shannon many times. Shannon said this to me many times. Exact thing. Why? You look great. Like why? Like I love, I love you the way you are. Like what's the point? You don't need to worry about anything. Um, but that, what that actually does is it diminishes their own feelings. So you're in a way you're, you're saying that their, their feelings and thought process is unjustified. And I know it sounds crazy because that's not what your, hu- your husband or boyfriend means to do. It's not what I mean to do. But if somebody tells me, hey, like, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I want to do. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. You're wrong. Like, you look great. I'm literally telling you that what you think is wrong. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a subconscious thing because the person doesn't turn to me and go, wow, you were, you were completely disvaluing my feelings. In tell- dis- like, that's not what they're saying. Yeah. Th- that's, they never say that back. But subconsciously, that's how they feel. And I'm not making this up because I've read a lot about this in my pursuit to try to be a better husband, honestly, and try to understand because I'm very, I'm a very defensive person. Like I'm easy to get defensive and I'm a very uh, opinionated person. Like I just will say exactly how I feel. doesn't always work the best in a relationship and you have to try to see it from their point of view. Right. So I learned that a lot and I think the best approach. So what I learned on the reverse side of like knowing that that's how I need to be in, in how she feels, I can, communicate that in a certain way with how I want to feel. So for example, in the same exact scenario, I don't need to get leaner. I don't need to do all this stuff because I'm already lean. I'm already fit. I already, I could eat intuitively. I don't need track macros. I've done this for a decade. So it's, it's more important for me to explain to Shannon or in your case, your boyfriend that I understand how you could think that I don't need to. And I actually really value and appreciate that you love me just the way I am and that you don't think I need to do any of that. 
And it's not that I don't love who I am, but I am very interested in improving who I am through these means. It's very interesting to me. It's exciting. It's something I truly care about. I don't expect you to care about it because I understand that it's not something everybody cares about. Yeah. You know, just like a hobby. I don't have the same hobbies. As you. Yeah. But as your partner, I just want you to appreciate and accept me for what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, nobody thinks to talk like that. But when you do talk like that, they're shocked, first yeah. of all. And second of all, if they actually love you, they're never going to go, like, that just sounds stupid. Shut up. Like, you know, they're not going to say anything negative. Nope. They're just going to say, fuck, okay. Like, yeah. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. Of course they didn't. Who does? So, um, apparently you do. I do now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had to explain that too because, like, you know, Shannon, me and met, Shannon met, she wasn't in the fitness industry. She wasn't super into social media or any of that stuff. And then she gets with a guy who is obsessed with, like, when I met her, I was prepping for a photo shoot with Jeff Nippert actually at the time. And so, like, we go from, like, kind of dating to I'm taking progress pictures in her apartment and, like, weighing my food. And she's like, what the fuck is this? She's yeah. never been around that stuff. Yeah. So I had a lot of explaining to do from a standpoint of, like, why do you put your ground turkey on a scale? Yeah. Like, that's kind of fucking weird, you yeah. know? <laughs> um, and you're taking pictures in your underwear for another dude in my kitchen? Like, <laughs> we just met? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's a long story. Yeah. Um, but. We got a long ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is, is, like, explaining to her, like, hey, like, bodybuilding for me at the time was like bodybuilding physique sport. Like I'm really into that stuff. I'm really into building muscle. I like doing this stuff to show up for my clients. Like this is why I do it. Kind of like we were saying before, yep. um, explaining that stuff and how you feel with it. And, and also letting them know like, Hey, I, I totally, I don't expect you to understand or get into it or think that you need to do any of that stuff. I just ask you to accept it. That's it. So if you accept it, you're good. Yeah. Cause there's still things that like even Shannon's into that. I, I, I'm not into That's it. why it's merch, yeah. Yeah. I and was like, I just accept that. You don't want to paint an interior design? <laughs> Dude, like every week there's I something. I accept you. <laughs> yeah. There's, every week there's something going on, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, cool, I don't get it. I, I think it's, there's way better things to spend your time doing. Yeah. And she's like, oh, like weigh your food and track your macros and go lift weights. <laughs> you got it. Like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> go, on, <laughs> go on a really long walk just to get your steps in. Yeah. Yeah. But accepting them for what they're into, what they love. Like, that's the key. So just wording it in that way, I think would change quite a bit, to be honest with you. I think you do that and it's fine. And then the other part goes back to what I said earlier with like, there needs to be phases. So like, even with Shannon, it's like, I will 100% accept it as long as you're not doing this year round, right? There's gotta be some, there's a sociological aspect of dieting. So meaning if I'm 100% of the year following a meal plan, weighing every single thing to the gram, very restrictive with how much alcohol I can drink, like being weird about going out to eat, that's going to wear on your partner. You know what I mean? So like I was dieting hard. We didn't go out to eat much. When we did, it was like, all right, we're going to steakhouse because I know what I can order. I don't need to bring my scale and I would never <laughs> recommend that. But I can order an eight ounce steak off the menu and know exactly what kind of cut it is yeah. and it's easy to track. I can order a baked potato and guess the size. Like there's things that I can do and sh- we can go to a steakhouse. But you go to a Mexican restaurant, no shot. Yep. You're not tracking that shit. It's yep. impossible. So what's going to be one of the first things we do? Go to a Mexican restaurant. She loves Mexican food. And now I'm like, cool, the diet's done. I can do that. Like, not every day because this is part of my lifestyle. But there's seasons of it. If I was just like, hey, just let you know, part of dating me means we can never go to Italian or Mexican food because it doesn't fit my macros ever and I don't take a free meal. <laughs> <laughs> she would break up with me. Yeah. So, like, there's got to be, like, phases for you to, like, be very serious and rigid and focused and then explain to them why you're doing it. And yes, then when it's done, yeah, you pull back. So, like, we're going to Ocean Shores next weekend for uh, Father's Day weekend stuff. And they just opened, uh, apparently, I've never been to Ocean Shores. Can you believe that? 
Like I, I think I went there with my parents when I was like a very like a little little kid camping. Yeah. But I've I've never been. But um that I can remember. But apparently they just opened like a new pizza parlor like it, but it's like very old school, like fifty yeah. style. Yeah. So they're all excited to go there. I'm not a big pizza guy. Mm. And pizza doesn't fit into my cutting macros. No. But like I didn't bat an eye. I'm like, dope. Yeah, we'll go to pizza. Blake's love it. I'll have a couple slices. It's all good, you know, because the diet's over. But I fit it in when I need to fit it in. And, you know, I think having that balance is the key. So, um, yeah, just don't be doing it all the fucking time. And then communicate. If you need help with communication, um, there's a really good couple of really good books. Um, Crucial Conversations is amazing. And it's not just for relationships. It helps with all conversations with anybody clients, colleagues, um, family, wife, husband, whatever, really, really good book. Um, for him, I wouldn't suggest gifting him this book. Um, but, uh, there's a book called if he really knew and it's written by a man. Um, but him and his wife are like marriage experts and stuff. And it's basically a dude explaining to other guys, how women actually think and what they actually want and, and all the instinctive ways that we think incorrectly. Totally. Dude, it's shocking how many things you read and you're like, fuck, I do that. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I think that way. Um, but that's a really good book. Uh, it might even be insightful for you because then you can see how the guy's brain works. Um, uh, Loving What Is is great. I mean, there's a lot of good books about four, the is it five love languages. Four, yep. five love languages. So there's a lot of those books that I would recommend. Um, it'll help you guys communicate a lot. Cool. All right. Uh, that's good. Let's uh, move on to the next one. It's from CK. Does body recomp only happen at maintenance? I'm going through a, a reverse and was wondering when it'll actually be noticeable. If I hate doing a certain compound exercise, example, back squats, is it better to suck it up and do it anyway or go a bit lighter? I'm not confident in the movement in the first place or should I find comparable exercises? Hold on. Two uh, completely different questions. Can you give some examples of comparable exercises for compound movements? Yeah, so we'll start with the recomp. That's okay. completely separate. Um, is, is a recomp only accomplishable at maintenance? No. Um, is it most likely to be accomplished at maintenance? Maybe. I would say I recommend it most to be at done at maintenance. And the reason I do is because if you set your calories at maintenance, we know that maintenance is not a set target. It's a, it's a moving range. But let's say that you decide, for easy math, your maintenance is 2,000. Um, that means some days you're going to be in a deficit. Some days you're going to be in surplus at that rate, which means that there's going to be some days where you're more anabolic and building muscle and some days where you might be burning fat. And I think that's a better place to be if you're trying to recomp, plain there and simple. If you're reverse dieting, um, you will be going into maintenance, so that exact thing can happen. But... I, I find that unless you're – so, like, the reason people recomp during a reverse diet is because they are uh, a hyper-responder, which usually means that they have a uh, – what's called a spend-thrift metabolism um, or potentially potentially a thrifty metabolism, I guess, in some ways too. And we just did a YouTube video on this not too long ago. It's called How to Set Up Your Diet for Fat Loss. And I kind of go into these different people. But when you have this type of metabolism and you're reverse dieting, what happens is you increase your calories and your body starts burning more calories. So it's it's energy flux. You increase your carbs by 25 grams. And then all of a sudden, your body stands up a little bit longer every day, takes a little bit more steps per day, pushes a little bit harder during the gym. Little things add up and you end up burning more calories per day. And that leads to um, being in a 
bigger deficit, but you're increasing calories at the same time. So you kind of just either stay lean or you end up getting leaner during the process. Um, but because you're taking more calories in, you also have the potential to, again, swing around that maintenance range and build muscle at times too. Um, because that's the thing, your, your body's never in, like if you're at maintenance, you're not just 100% at maintenance all the time. You're going to fluctuate into surpluses in deficits. Even in a deficit, you're going to be that way too because there's certain periods of time where you're, like, you're sleeping. You're not really in a, in a deficit because you're not moving. You're, you're not catabolic. You're actually in a very anabolic state. So I'm assuming that your diet's good. But point being is I think that it's probably the most optimal place to be. However, there's a lot of research around recomposition done in different states too. So you can take a newbie or a beginner or somebody who's been out of the gym for a long time or just manipulate a lot of variables, put them in a slight surplus, and they still see recomp. There's plenty of research to show people recomping in a deficit as well. Majority of them are with obese individuals, which is obvious. They have so much stored energy that you can use that for fuel to do the activity you're doing to burn calories, but also use what you're taking in to build muscle, especially if you're weight training. So um, obese people and people with a lot of weight to lose or fat to lose see recomp all the time. And we see this with clients all the time. People come to us with a fat loss goal and they have enough fat to lose to where when we implement good nutrition protocols and strength training, they just start building muscle while they're losing fat. That is recomp. Um, surplus is way less likely, but it can happen. Totally. Um, so yes and no, there's a lot of cases where you can be it. Now for the squat, um, there's, there's comparable movements if you think of the movement pattern. So to make it simple, you know, a squat, like a barbell back squat can be done as a front squat, as a box squat, as a double kettlebell squat, as a cyclist squat, as a leg press, as a hack squat, as a split squat. I mean, there's so many variations of squat. Like if you think of what your body's doing, it is doing knee flexion and hip extension. Mm. That's what it is, right? So um, technically you go into hip extension, or sorry, hip flexion and knee flexion as you descend into the squat and then you go into knee flexion extension and hip extension at the top of the squat but it's a squat pattern right and you can do this unilateral bilateral you can do it on a machine you can do it with barbell cowbell whatever um so the answer is yes however i always ask a person's goal so if somebody comes to me and they're like well i've been like we talked about in a recent thing somebody comes to me and they're like i've been training for five plus years my main goal is uh hypertrophy but every time i load up the bar enough to like get my RPE up or, or push the effort high enough to actually be in that quote unquote muscle building zone of where I feel like I'm actually being productive for muscle growth. I hurt my back. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Let's do leg press. You'll build just as much muscle on a leg press and you're experienced enough to take your body too close, close to failure with a leg press. But if you're a brand new lifter and you're like, I'm just nervous about squatting or I can't squat heavy yet. I would be like, you know, what? you need to learn the ropes. You should get under a barbell and you should learn how to squat. You, you don't, Start there. You start with a goblet squat and then a double kettlebell squat. And then maybe you go to a dumbbell squat, split squat, Bulgarian split squat. And then finally you put a bar on your back to a box squat. So it's partial range of motion. And then you start doing full range of motion back squats. So there's a progression of movements, none of which you're really going to maximize overload on until you get to the back squat and you start getting comfortable. But you'll still build muscle in that process because you're brand new and you're challenging the muscle in different ways. It's so easy to build muscle by just going through loaded movement patterns that you don't need to overcomplicate it when you're new. So I think that progression of movement is going to do the job at the beginning. And then once you get to the back squat, you can start overloading it. And then once you're years in, like where I'm at right now, I rarely do heavy deadlifts or heavy back squats, just plain old back squats or deadlifts, unless I'm in a strength phase where I'm specifically trying to build strength in those movements, because I know that I have to be extremely careful not to hurt my back. 
you know, because I have a history of hurting my back, especially with my knee surgeries, and I compensate to one side. It's very hard to ch- to control that. Now it's easier because we have that mirror in front of us, but with a deadlift, I can't control that. So because of that, I'm like, you know what? I really don't give a shit about lifting heavier in those movements. I would rather find a way to do the movement patterns, hip hinge, squat, and just maximize muscle growth because that's what I'm really after. So what's the point of potentially hurting myself? But when I was brand new, like I was squatting every week because I wanted to get stronger. I knew I needed that neurological stimulus and I needed to learn how to functionally squat proper under load before I could get to a point that I could sub it out for something else. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, there's different situations for many things. And again, like maybe you're a year into it and you already hurt your back, but you still have like muscle growth, uh, aspirations. Okay. I would shift you to a leg press, but I would still start working on the issues that caused the injury, the injury, because you could go load up a bar with 315, and I could do a barbell back squat and probably not hurt my back. I just know that if I accumulate a lot of volume on it, eventually I'm going to after a few weeks, you know, if not, eight weeks or whatever, it's just not worth it. I have no interest in getting hurt, you know? And I, I think for me, I realized that the, I'll never forget. It was the one, it was at my last house when I tried to crawl into the little pink tent and I just like, dude, my back, I gave out. And it's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Squatting so much that I can't crawl on the floor with my daughter. Yeah. That's pointless. You know? So, Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Good to go. Yep. All right, guys. Uh, real quick, few announcements. We have a, shitload of free content for you. So make sure you go check all that out. TaylorCoachMethod.com slash guides slash videos. If you want to check out the latest YouTube videos, you can watch them on YouTube.com slash Cody McBroom one, or you can watch them on the site. I've been updating them. So you can actually literally watch them on the website at TaylorCoachMethod.com slash videos. Um, the podcast is hosted there as well with our top episodes. The blog has been dropping new content every single week, and that is slash blog. You can get daily workouts sent to your phone at tailoredtrainerapp.com. And last but not least, if you want to coach with us and you want specific help for your goals, tailoredcoachingmethod.com slash online dash coaching. All of these links are in the description of the podcast. As always, we appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you next time. <laughs>